0: This is Analog, episode number 48. Today's show is brought to you by Harry's, an exceptional shave at a fraction of the price. Fracture, photos printed in vivid color directly on glass and Red Hat, different for the sake of better technology. My name is Mike Hurley and I am joined by Mr. Casey Liss. Hi, Casey Liss.
1: Hello, how are you, Mike? Oh, dear.
0: I think I'm better than you.
1: Yeah, so we should probably cover a little bit of uh, administrivia up front. Um, I sound totally nasally and terrible because I am still fighting off my cold. Um, I, am, I am almost definitely, let me knock on wood or whatever, I'm almost definitely coming out of the sick, but I'm not quite 100% out of it yet. So on account of that, I apologize for sounding a little off uh, this week. It is not Mike's logic skill or lack of skill or anything in between. It's because I'm just sick. So um, I apologize for that. And the other piece of administrivia that I want to make very plain right up front is I don't think we did a very good job of publicizing our intentions for Mike at the Movies when we did it for Sneakers. And so let me make it clear that our intention is to do the next Mike at the Movies on the episode that will release very first thing in August. I think it's the second of August. And the movie we've chosen for Mike at the Movies for that episode is The Rocketeer, which is a Disney flick from 91? 91, 91. Um, it is not available on Netflix streaming, and I am sorry for that, but you can rent or buy from iTunes. I don't recall if Amazon had it or not, um, but you can get the DVD from Netflix, and I'm sure you could acquire it from other means as well. So we are going to do The Rocketeer. And it's going to be the episode that airs roundabouts the second of August, unless something comes up, like what happened with sneakers for like four consecutive weeks. No, I'm pretty confident. I think I think this one's probably going to be on time. But you've got almost a month to go ahead and find and watch the Rocketeer if you want to keep up with Mike at the movies.
0: And we're doing it. You're going away, right, or something?
1: That's right. I'm going to be gone for a few days, so we're. That's kind of why we're. Plunking this in because we're going to do two episodes, either back to back like we did um, when I went away. What was that last week uh, or a week before last? Um, and so we're either going to do them back to back or very close to each other. And we don't usually like to do two regular episodes like that. And so this way we're going to make we're going to maybe not dedicate one of the episodes to Mike at the movies, but it'll be predominantly Mike at the movies. Um,
0: where are you going?
1: Anywhere exciting? Uh, going to the beach
0: nice so it's an actual holiday
1: yeah yeah um it's funny because i used to hate the beach growing up um i think we talked about this on atp long 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 ago so long ago i won't be able to dig up the episode but um we i used to hate the beach because i felt like you just sit around do nothing and that's very boring to me but then i've discovered that um you can bring portable shade devices like a tent that makes a big difference you can bring a book that makes a big difference and you can drink which also makes a big difference and actually is something we're going to be talking about later on. Well, now, Oh, well that later on has just arrived. I hope everyone's well, buckled up.
0: Did you have anything else that you wanted to mention in regards to this?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so. Just everyone watched the Rocketeer. It's a great movie.
0: Yeah. I mean, I like that you said, uh, that we decided on it was just the next one that you decided for me
1: (laughs) well mike at the movies by definition is kind of uh, a dictatorial thing with whomever is hosting the show with you so yeah yeah,
0: that's a good point but like it's a fun thing to do I i like it it's nice when it's like you know we're in a situation where like with this show where we have to do two shows back to back which which for this show tends to not work very well especially like with the uh the Relay Your Fills stuff that we do. Sure. Which, by the way, if you ever have any follow-up questions, thoughts, topic suggestions, just hashtag Relay Your Fills and we'll get to them at some point. Um, we had to kind of collect those up and collect follow-up and stuff, so trying to do two regular shows back-to-back is a nightmare, which I assume is very similar to what happens when you, you know, drop bombshells on your ATP co-hosts like you did last week, yep. or a couple of weeks ago.
1: Yep. Yeah, that was uh, tough for us as well. But... As with you, we all soldiered on, and I appreciate everyone's flexibility, and so this time I'm being a little more deliberate about it, and so, like I said, we'll do Mike at the Movies with the Rocketeer. Uh, Jason Snell has kind of cornered 80s movies. I have kind of cornered 90s movies. I don't know who's taking the aughts. Is anyone taking the aughts?
0: I don't know if I have any other shows that I can think of that fit the, like, that fit the kind of idea of Mike at the Movies.
1: You don't think that you know? uh, Grey would want to do something from the 2000s with you? I don't know if Grey watches movies. We spoke
0: yeah. about it, and I'm still not hundred percent sure. <laughs> well,
1: he's, I just caught up on uh, on Cortex, and he said he watches TV shows.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I don't know if he watches things like for pleasure or utility. Though <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't fully understand. Is he a robot or not? I would. I'm going to suggest that one. Actually, I may suggest that one to to Jason to do, to, to be Grey <laughs> robot or not.
1: Fair enough They would have to do Syracuse as well though And we all know Syracuse is indeed a robot
0: Well I I would like to think that that would be the last episode
1: We'll see, I don't know That, that would be funny Anyway, what's our first topic today?
0: I would like to talk about drinking
1: I'm in, tell me more Drinking alcohol
0: Specifically drinking alcohol whilst podcasting Okay Do you think that this is okay?
1: Yes Why? Um so it's, I made a very bold binary statement just a moment ago, but it's actually, as with all things in life, a little more nuanced. Um, I, for the first oof, maybe year that I was podcasting, I would always have a single drink to start the show. And by that, I mean, I would pour myself a glass of water. And at that point, I knew enough not to spill them. And I would pour myself a glass of uh, typically um, Tito's vodka on, on ice. Uh, oftentimes with the neat ice kit, uh, ice cube. Um, But anyway, I would do that to kind of take the nerves off and take the edge off. And I would just sip it in the beginning of the show. I mean, I wouldn't like pound it or anything like that. And by the end of the first hour, and this was pretty much exclusively during ATP uh, and neutral, actually, by the end of the first hour, I'd be done with it. And then I would not refill and I would just carry on. Um, I stopped that I think around the time of the Christmas Spectacular or perhaps Christmas Drunk-tacular of 2013 on ATP. And in case you don't listen to ATP, what had happened was either the new Mac Pro was just recently announced or somehow John and Marco got talking about the theoretical new Mac Pro that may come out one day. I don't recall exactly where this falls on the timeline. Well, anyway, um, what had happened was they got talking about the new Mac Pro. And for whatever reason, I genuinely don't recall why, I not only had my glass of Tito's, but I brought the bottle of Tito's upstairs with me. And I think I even had an accessory glass full of ice to refill the Tito's glass. And so what ended up happening was John and Marco went on for probably an hour talking about the Mac Pro. And I didn't really have anything to add about any of that. It wasn't a bad thing. I mean, they weren't doing anything wrong. I just didn't really have anything constructive to say. So I occupied my time by drinking. And by the end of that episode, things got a little dodgy. And I look back on it and I laugh, but I think I took it too far. And I think it was unnecessary. And um, I, I guess I'll say disrespectful um, to the listeners. I mean I think everyone got a good laugh out of it, but it was it was too much. and I think around that time I decided, you know what? I'm done with that. And so now every great once in a while I'll do what I used to do, which is I'll have a drink before I or you know as I'm starting to record. Um, but generally speaking, I don't. And generally speaking, if I come home from work and I'm like, man, I really want to just have a couple of drinks and chill out. If I'm recording that night, usually I will either stop at one or have none at all. That was a very long answer to a reasonably simple question. Any questions about that? And if not, how do you feel about it? So
0: I think that typically I find it a little bit weird to do. How so? There is this part of me that wonders if it's disrespectful. So, okay. I would like, before I go any further, I would like to make two statements. The first statement is that I do not pass judgment on anybody. This is my own kind of ruling for myself. Sure. Anybody that has drinks while they're podcasting is fine. I know people that do. It's totally fine. The other one is I have a drink today with me right oh. now that well, I poured before me? the show. Well, this, this was the conceit of why I wanted to talk about this. Okay. So I poured this just before I sat down today and I have an old fashioned as I know that you enjoy so much.
1: Oh, so much.
0: And it may be the first time that I've ever had alcohol whilst recording. I, I, I seem to have a memory that I may have done this once before with our show, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Okay. But if not, it's, it's either the first or maybe the second time that I've ever done this. And it was, Purely something that when I was putting together today's show this morning, which makes me sound terrible, 10 o'clock this morning I was thinking about having a drink tonight. <laughs> Um, And I just thought, if I want to talk about this, the why don't I have a drink with me whilst talking about it? Um, so I figured I would do that, and so here I am. So basically, I just wonder if if you get a little bit tipsy or whatever... Is it a disservice to the listener because all they're doing is listening to you, and if you're not at your top performance, mm-hmm. is is that actually a disservice to the listener? So because, well, like I, don't know, I remember that episode um, vividly, and I, and I thought it was funny, uh, but as your friend, I felt bad for you right, uh, right. because I knew that you would probably be a bit embarrassed,
1: which I think uh, yeah. you were. I I was not as bad as maybe i could or should have been but i wasn't and i remain slightly embarrassed by it i i kind of cling to the fact that i do think it was kind of funny and so i in that sense i'm i'm i don't know if i want to say the word glad but i can't think of a better word but were i to do it over again i would have handled it differently
0: yeah so so i'm just not sure about it I'm, i'm just not sure about it it's just one of those things that like it seems a little weird but i can't work out why mm-hmm. um, but i think that i'm potentially being a little bit prudish about it
1: <laughs> i don't know i don't think so um I, so i have a couple thoughts on this and 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 let me start by backing up just a smidge and and ryan ryan maiden ryan Meiden. i'm so sorry anyway uh said that I had said earlier that yes, it's okay to drink on air and then gave an example of it going badly. Uh, Just to clarify and and to kind of build on what you were just saying, Mike, I do think it's okay to drink on air. Um, I think it's okay because sometimes it gets, you know, kind of takes the nerve or the edge off. Um, It's something else that Ryan Maiden said is, um, and I don't know if they were being sarcastic or serious, but a small amount of alcohol can help with creative thinking and freer association of ideas for some people. I actually do think that's true. Uh, not for everyone, of course, but for some people, I agree. And so I think sometimes, um, especially if my like regular job has been tough or if I'm just really stressed out, sometimes it's nice to have just one or two drinks, just kind of take the edge off, let me relax, and just chill. And I don't think that that's necessarily taking away from my performance, if you could, if you could call it that. In fact, in some cases, I'd go so far as to say it augments it because I'm a little looser. I'm a little... I don't know, yeah. I can shuck and drive a little bit better, as Merlin likes to say. um
0: I think that maybe for me, like i've I don't do that, I never really need that um specifically, like I feel like if anything, alcohol probably lowers my performance on the show, maybe mm-hmm. I don't know, but like I've never really felt like it makes me feel any better when when I'm talking to people when I need confidence. So let's say we're in a a scenario of a big bunch of people. Mm -hmm. I'm way better at just talking to people if I have alcohol. Sure, it makes me just more like confident, and I feel like I can just talk to anyone. And you know, and and when we're in like these big conference scenarios and stuff, a few drinks always makes things easier for me in that regard. Oh yeah, I have a lot more fun that way. Oh yeah, Uh, but like I think the other thing is, is I really don't drink alcohol very often. Um, and yeah. it's not, like, a choice, like, because I have no problem with alcohol, like, none at all. Um, but I, I just tend not to, to drink it very much. Um, like, I maybe have... Whew, I think we we definitely spoke about this on the show before, I, th- I think, we because well, we spoke about drink recommendations, because that's how... That's why when I was at the Upgrade meetup, people kept buying me uh, Maker's Mark, because I said that I liked <laughs> it on the show. Um, I, mean, I just have never really had... I just never really get the urge to drink very often and and I maybe it's like once every couple of weeks I'll have a drink at home.
1: But very rarely do you have more than one or two in an evening?
0: If I ever have one I only have one.
1: Interesting. And is that if true that makes sense. is that true only when you're at home or would you say that's true also when you're out, accepting times when people are just siphoning makers mark down your gullet?
0: Oh, no, I'll have a few when I'm out. Like, me and Adina are away this weekend. Uh, We went to Bath, which is one of my favorite English towns um, or cities. It's one of the two, I don't know. Um, And we were out in the evenings, and we were, you know, at restaurants and um, at, like, nice little cocktail bars or whatever. And I would happily have more than one. I'd have, like, three beers or something, or I might have a couple of cocktails, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's like, it is weird because I have no feeling about alcohol which is like oh i don't want to have too much of that or whatever or i don't have one of those like only in moderation type views on things although of course you should only have alcohol in moderation (laughs) you get what i'm saying like i'm not like really weird about it in any way but i've just never really been much of a home drinker and it may be because like you know i only kind of like beer like i only kind of like it um and beer is easier to drink casually i think than spirits
1: Yeah, although sometimes you don't like beer at all, like me. I mean, I could, not literally, but figuratively speaking, I can choke it down if need be, but I would never, ever... Don't do that. Don't do what?
0: Don't choke the beer down. Just don't do it. Just don't drink it.
1: Well, that's that's the thing, is that generally speaking, I don't choose beer, and the only time I'll have beer is if either there's no other options or I feel like the social setting, I can't think of a great example, but the social setting lends itself to be not really spirits-friendly. But if I'm ever under control of my own destiny, if you will, I'll typically have some sort of vodka-based drink. Typically, either vodka on the rocks, or if I'm feeling particularly saucy... um, Actually, that was a poor choice of words, but you know what I mean? If I'm feeling uh, adventurous, then I will... um, then I will have a martini, a vodka martini. Um, I don't care for gin martinis. I think gin is disgusting. Come at me. But, um... I, I don't know. I just... I don't think there's anything wrong with drinking in general, not to say that you do. I I don't think there's anything wrong with drinking on the air. And something I think I I should have pointed out earlier is that there are some shows that I think drinking is kind of the point. Um, Mm -hmm. Like The Menu Bar, which I don't think is recording anymore, but... um, that, that was a show that I guested on quite a long time ago. Um, the menu bar is obviously a uh, play on the menu bar in your computer, but the idea behind that was everyone was drinking while you were recording. And sometimes that makes for a really enjoyable show, and sometimes that makes for a total train wreck.
0: The Flop House is definitely a show that has drinking and benefits from it.
1: Yep. And so there are shows like that. Um, one of the times I was on Unprofessional. Um, I had had more to drink than the other times. And I think that was, I would argue that was my most fun appearance, although it may or may not have been the most interesting appearance on Unprofessional. Um, I think the, I believe the one I'm thinking of is the one where we talk about swear words. Um, surprise, surprise. So I, I do think that there is a time and a place for everything, um, both within podcasting and just within life. Um, I don't think that there's anything wrong with drinking on a podcast. I do think, though, That with all things, like I'd said earlier, like you had said, Mike, everything has a limit and and I think it is reasonable to be one or two drinks deep on a podcast, even if your co hosts are not. I don't think it's reasonable to be four or five or six or whatever drinks deep on a podcast, unless your co hosts are either A privy to it or B also in on it.
0: Yeah, you sum that up. That that way that you just sum that up then is pretty much perfect.
1: Cool. Go team.
0: So yeah, I mean, there we go. I have a drink today. Who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> Things could get wild. Maybe you know, maybe I end up drinking every Tuesday.
1: Um, I I have no problem with that. Especially when it comes to feels, it is it is helpful to uh, it is helpful to get the feels out. You know, alcohol is the world's best social lubricant. So it is helpful to get those feels out in the open. If um if you've had a drink or two, in fact, I think. I am not sure, but my hazy recollection is when we recorded episode 5, the episode of analog with Stephen Hackett. I thought that all of us, no, maybe not Stephen, but I thought you and I had a drink then. I'm mm, not maybe. sure.
0: I don't think I would have done.
1: On that oh, one. Okay, maybe not. I'm pretty maybe sure I, I did, did though, cuz I needed I needed to I needed to relax on that one cuz I knew it was going to get intense. So I don't I mean I had one, maybe two. I think I only had one, but I definitely had one for that episode.
0: Well, maybe that's the one episode that I think that I may have done it on once. Yeah, could be. I think Stephen was drinking then.
1: I don't recall. He goes back and forth, not in a bad way at all. It's just um, since I've known him, I've seen him drink and not drink. And last oh. I heard, he's still in the not drinking camp. But um, he's very good about being able to turn it on and off like, like a switch, which is uh, very impressive.
0: Many impressive qualities, that man. We're actually going to talk about him in a moment. But let me take a break, uh, thank our first sponsor. And also, let's let's see how these go as the episode continues. This week's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Harry's. For many of us, shaving can be a pain. A pain in many ways. It can be a pain on the face. It can be a pain on the skin. But it can also be a pain on the wallet. And this is what Harry's sets out to do. They create a better product without making you pay an arm and a leg to get it. Harry's make their own blades. They have their own um, factory in Germany that make high-quality, high-performing blades. They're crafted by shaving experts. And because they make them themselves, like Harry's owns the factory, they're able to keep the cost down low. And Harry's is able to offer a high-quality shave at a fraction of the price of other big brand blades. And they will also ship for free to your doorstep. This is one of those scenarios where you go to checkout and there's like a $50 shipping charge waiting for you. They ship for free to your front door and their starter set is a fantastic deal at just $15 you'll get yourself a razor moisturizing shave cream or firming shave gel and three razor blades on average an everyday shaver saves $150 each year on blades when they use Harry's products and with Harry's your satisfaction is guaranteed because that's something that's important to them I love the way that Harry's products look and this is from like the actual razors themselves you know the, how the handles look to the packaging to everything about them I love the design that they have I love the color kind of cool, new, classic, retro look that they have. I really like it. It reminds me of Mad Men, that kind of idea. I quite like that. Um, I love their Aftershave Moisturizer. It smells really great, feels great on the skin. It is very important to keep your face moisturized, and Harry's can help you do that. And also, they have a great foaming shave gel, which I love very much. Which is, you put this like gel on your hands and you rub it, and it turns into foam. So, you know, if you've ever seen a picture of me, you'll see that I keep a beard, but to keep myself looking sharp, there are places you have to trim, you have to shave like the neckline and the chin line, and also the cheeks as well to keep that good look in. And this is what I use Harry's for, as well as stuff like their moisturizing. Uh, After shave as well because it's just fantastic to use. Their, their moisturizer is really, really great. You can experience a clean, close, and comfortable shave yourself right now with Harry's. Go to harrys. dot com and you can use the code analog to get yourself a $5 off your first purchase so if we go back to that $15 starter set that I mentioned earlier which will get you the razor the shave cream or firming shave gel and three razor blades you can pick that up for $10 if it's your first purchase so that's dot com, and use the code analog at checkout for $5 off and to start shaving better today thank you so much to Harry's for their support of this show excellent all right so what else are we talking about today so I mentioned Stephen Hackett and this is a a, a topic that is uh, going back through the history of this show is something that's quite important. So, uh, this week, Stephen, my co founder at Relay FM, he announced that he is going independent. He is kind of leaving the rat race um, and is splitting his time between writing and podcasting and some other activities here and there, um, which is absolutely fantastic. I'm very, very thrilled about this because uh, it means he can put more time into his job. But I also know from you know, this is something that he has wanted to do for as long as I've known him. Um, and so I know how important it is and how thrilling it can be to do something like this. And I'm very proud of him. And I'm very happy for him, especially because he has a family. So to be in a position where you can support a family, that's a guy that works very hard and does a lot of different things. And that's what helps him get to the position now where he's able to do this. And I wondered how you feel about this, Casey, because I know that this is something that we've spoken about in the past in regards to yourself. Um, So I wonder how, you know, one, you feel about Stephen and also how you feel about this in regards to your own working uh, environments.
1: Um, With regard to Stephen, I am extraordinarily excited for my friend. Um, I know he's been working for this for a long time. Like you said, I know he's been going back and forth about this for a while. And I mean, you would know even better than I, but I, even I know that he's been going back and forth about this for a long time. Um, And I know that he's scared, but enthusiastic and also confident. And um, I'm really, really proud of him and really, really excited for him. Um, That, that was pretty respectful, right? I got that out of the way. Yeah. Oh God, I hate that guy so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am so jealous. And I, and I I do mean what I just said. I am really excited for him and I'm really proud of him. But I am jealous. I, I, I wish <clears throat> I wish that I had the uh flexibility that Steven has I, and you. I wish I had the confidence that the two of you have. Um but I I don't. <laughs> and I've I've had a difficult time with my day job over the last few months and more than more than usual. I have longed for the ability to walk away from it. Um, but I don't think that that's in the cards for me right now. Um, some of that is maybe all of that is self-created. Um, but whether or not it's my fault, I still am very jealous of what Stephen is, has made happen for himself. And I think that's important for all of us, particularly me, to remember is that this didn't happen to Stephen. This has happened because of Stephen's deliberate moves to make it happen. And, and that's really something to admire.
0: So that's a very nice way of putting it. Well, you've really got the words today.
1: And I'm not even drinking. Maybe this is a hint that I shouldn't drink anymore. Maybe that's what it is.
0: Or maybe it's the cold.
1: Uh, Yeah. Maybe I'll just have to be sick forevermore.
0: It's like it's connecting something in your brain that has not been connected before.
1: Yeah, it's not. That's what's connecting
0: it. (laughs) I wasn't going to go there. That's what I was thinking. I just didn't (laughs) want to say it. So, I mean, you don't feel any... I mean, there was a time where you were talking about, like, you know, seeming a little bit more serious about thinking along these lines
1: i I mean, I still am um, the problem the problem that i 'm running running into is I know that i don 't want to be an independent consultant i don 't want to be a guy that goes into a company as a single person and does something for them, or perhaps a guy that a company like mine subcontracts to i don 't want to do that because it's extremely unreliable. And I'm a really crappy salesperson, and I don't think – I don't see that, would, that as being a good fit for me.
0: Yeah, I think for you, the uh, negatives far outweigh the positives in this scenario.
1: I agree. I agree. So if we eliminate that, which is the very obvious answer, and if I'm honest with myself, is probably within my grasp. Like, I probably could do it. I may not be the best at it. I may not make as much money as I make at my regular job, but I could probably do it. So if we eliminate that, what does that really leave me with? Well, I could write an iOS app and I could try to be Marco Arment. And that's certainly something that's also within my capabilities. But what that would entail is me losing a large portion of our income, which is to say quitting my my regular job in order to focus on this iOS app, because I just uh, granted everyone can make time for the things that are important to them, but between podcasting and my family, I and my regular job, I don't think that I have the time to just do something on the side like Marco originally no. did with Instapaper.
0: Well, no, you already have your side projects. When Marco was doing Instapaper, he wasn't doing podcasts. Like, I think
1: that's right. Yeah,
0: you already have your side projects,
1: right? So I can't add another one. I have two side projects in, in addition to a full time job, and so the only way to make a side project, like let's for the sake of discussion, let's say I want to resurrect resurrect Fast Text, I don't know that I could really do that effectively unless I quit my regular job, and in if I were to do that, that's that's saying no to a lot of, not only a lot of money, but reliable money in yeah. order to just throw caution to the wind and pray that it works out. Now, again, that's a little defeatist of me because the more optimistic way of looking at it is, well, darn it, I'm going to make it work out. And I think that's what Stephen is saying. And I think that's what you have said. And I admire that deeply in both of you. And I hope I don't sound sarcastic when I say that because I'm really being genuine. I admire that very deeply in both of you.
0: Well, I think everyone that that does this and this is – I mean I was listening to uh, John Gruber's episode of Mac Power Users and he was talking a bit about it. But I've heard him tell that story in other places. Yeah, you know, so it's like another example of someone who's been very who is 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 an example of someone who's very su- successful at doing what he did does now, and another example of someone who did what me and Stephen done, which is like you gotta just decide to take a risk. Mm-hmm. The thing is, like you never know, but you have to kind of take the risk to be able to get the payoff.
1: Right. Right. And that's, um, and that's the thing is that I'm a risk adverse enough that I don't know that I'll ever have the chutzpah to take that risk. And so instead, I'm just going to complain to you constantly about my regular job. But, um, but no, I mean, I, I struggle with it a lot. I struggle with it a lot, a lot. And because on the one side, I think to myself, this is the best possible time for me to do that, for me to say, you know what, regular job, thank you, but I'm going to walk away and I'm just going to try to go it on my own. Because I want to be there for Aaron. I want to be there for Declan in this time when he's changing dramatically every single day. I want to give this a shot. And so now is the best possible time to do this. That being said, this is the worst possible time to do this because here it is. I now have a third mouth to feed. If you recall, Erin is doing the hardest job in the world, which is to say she's being a mom to Declan full-time. And so I can't just rely on her. And she is relying on me to come up with steady income every single month. And additionally, Declan, whether or not he knows it, is relying on me to come up with a steady income every single month. And so this is the worst possible time for me to say, well, screw it. Why not? Additionally, One thing that's really keeping me from saying goodbye to my regular job is I keep thinking to myself, if we can live within the means of my regular job, which accepting the home renovations we did this year, we do, then we can save all of the ATP money for things that are important. Like, I don't know, Declan's education. Like, that's a big deal. And so as much as I want to be independent and as much as I want to be my own boss, I keep thinking to myself, you know what? You should shut up and just do what you're supposed to do and go to work and be happy about it so you can do much more important things like save up for Declan's college education. Does that make any sense? I'm not asking you to, I'm not asking you to agree. I'm just asking, does that make sense?
0: Okay, I'm pleased that you rephrased the question. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, it makes sense for sure. It it really does make sense, and I think I can't, I can't understand you. Like, it's not possible. <laughs> no, but no, no. In my situation, it's oh, okay. not possible for me to understand you.
1: I, I was like, I, I do I, am not I that inscrutable. My goodness.
0: No, no. I don't have kids. No, I'm with you now. Right, so it makes it makes a very it makes for a very different part because like my mind is kind of just like, well yeah, but like that whole part where you were saying about how I just kind of gotta shut up about it and be happy. It's kind of I don't know. I hear it and it's like, uh, I don't know. I don't. Know. It's like those those words are tough for me to hear. Um because it's kind of just like is that happy and i think i know you you well enough to know that that is the case but i think about it for me and it's like i don't think i would be happy
1: well i'm happy but i'm not right so i'm happy in the net result of how i'm i'm happy with what i'm able to do for the family I'm not happy with how, with what I have to go through to get there, which, oh, my God, I hate myself for phrasing it that way. Because if I'm honest, I, I, I am extraordinarily lucky that I have a job doing the, – where, where the, the most egregious thing I have to do is push buttons on a keyboard where I'm in air conditioning every day. Like I'm so lucky. I'm not trying to lose okay. sight of that. But- for the
0: sake of this conversation – Let's just park those, those <laughs> thoughts, because I mean, right. otherwise we'll we'll never be able to have this conversation. Sure, sure, sure. If you work in if you work in those terms, like everyone's problems are the most important problems to them, <laughs> whether they're the most important problems in the world, is the fact, right? right? Right, right. It's where the whole first world problem joke comes from. Exactly. So yeah.
1: So so I, I'm happy with the net result of the crap I go through to get there. I just wish I didn't have to go through all that crap to get there. And so that's why. Um generally speaking I've been more serious about writing for my website that hasn't been as much the case lately because I've been traveling and I've been sick and now Aaron is sick and so I'm trying to help out more with Declan than I usually do and I like to think I help out a lot when I can um and so I've been super busy lately but generally speaking I've been trying to get better about my website is that really the avenue for me to become independent? Am I going to be the next John Gruber? Heck no. But it's why? A, because I don't think I have unique thoughts and uh, unique enough or perhaps interesting enough thoughts well, to become the I, next Gruber. I don't think that that is a.
0: Like, I am neither Leo Laporte or Dan
1: Benjamin. Y- like, I understand where you're going with this, but I don't think that's a fair analogy. Because I think you are at least as good, if not better, than both of them. I love you so much.
0: Uh, (laughs) But the thing is, though, when you really get into it, I love what you write. Like, when you really get into it, like, when I can tell that you have put the effort into a piece that you would put into a piece if it was all you had to do. Sure. Sure. I think that you're as good as anybody that I read.
1: Oh, well, that's very kind of you to say. And 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 that's what I hope to do more is I'm hoping you know, it's like um how do you how do you build a, a a great podcast, right? Well, you have to take some basic things seriously. You have to have the audio sound okay. You should probably release on a regular schedule, preferably weekly. But beyond that, you just have to do something that's cool to listen to, right? And hopefully if you do something that's that's just entertaining, be it interesting entertaining or funny entertaining or what have you, hopefully, if you give it enough time, people will find it and people will perhaps compensate you for doing it. Um, I I guess that's kind of the approach I'm taking with my website is right now I'm not getting compensated for it, but I hope that if I continue to work on it and continue to post and continue to refine my craft – That maybe there will come a time that I'll be able to sell sponsorships for it. Or perhaps I'll be able to get a little money from the deck or something like that. You know, just have a very small ad somewhere. And maybe over time, I'll be able to parlay that into something else. Maybe I'll be able to be a freelance writer. I don't know if that's necessarily what I want for my career, but maybe freelance writing in combination with podcasting in combination with something else, maybe that would be enough to keep my family afloat. Does that sound familiar, Stephen Hackett?
0: Do you want to be a writer or do you think you want to be a writer?
1: Um, I want to continue writing from my website and I want to be, I want to be recognized as a great writer in that context. So to me, a great writer for a personal website is someone who is very open and honest and interesting. Um, and i think i'm getting there i don't think i'm there yet um did you want to do this before you started
0: podcasting
1: i think i've always fancied writing online i've always had some kind of blog of some sort um but i've never taken it nearly as seriously as i did since i wrote camel and wrote the 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 you know the underpinnings the 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 code that 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 services my website and then started writing for my website and the response I've gotten from some of my posts that I'm very proud of, like finally where, where we announced that we were pregnant um, and a few others that are escaping me offhand. But um, the response I've gotten from some of these posts have made it extremely worthwhile and really rewarding. And so I should kind of refine what I said earlier. Um, I'm not getting financially compensated by my website, not yet anyway, but I am being emotionally compensated by my website in that the feedback that I get from it is typically reasonably positive and is really, really welcomed and really makes me feel good. And so in that sense, I I really do want to be a writer and I enjoy writing, but... um I don't I don't know that writing for my website is ever something that I could envision being my full-time job. I wouldn't complain if it was, but I don't I don't see myself being able to make enough money off of it like Gruber does um in order to make that my full-time gig. Does that answer your question or did I accidentally dodge it?
0: No, I want to come back to it. I have one more question. I want to thank Fracture, but I want to come back to your website. Okay. Um why why don't you want to be a podcaster and not a writer?
1: Um, I guess because I don't think I know enough of how to make a podcast. As silly as that make may sound,
0: all that stuff is inconsequential to the actual creation of the content on the show. And Take that's, it from me.
1: That's that's probably true. Because but...
0: I make I make a living not knowing how to use logic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right like it's i mean i'm sure that there are
0: many people that cannot listen to the shows that i make because they think that they're not produced well enough it's and i've gotten point. a lot better at it over time trust me uh but it's still not to the ears of many people but i know that there must be something good in it
1: yeah, and that's fair. I guess the reason I don't come up with that as an answer, I mean, I would love to be a professional podcaster. I mean, come on. All I have to do is show up and run my mouth for an hour or two for three or four times a week, and then I get paid for it. How awesome is that? The thing that I, the thing is, I don't well, know. Well,
0: you do already do well, that. Yeah, but like, even
1: more, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, I don't know what else I would talk about. Like, I tried talking about cars, which is another one of my passions, but yeah, it didn't end too well. So <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, what but else. like, what,
0: yeah, I mean, where could you go after ATP? Like, could, Do you know what I mean? Like, by that point, you could have your own show.
1: I guess. But, I mean, I don't know. I guess a lot of this comes down to a lack of self-confidence because I don't think I'm interesting enough to carry a show by myself. Like, to me, this show is 50-50. We've talked ad nauseum about how I still sometimes think of myself as a Klingon on ATP. Um, So, I I guess my lack of self-confidence is why I don't think I could be a full-time podcaster
0: well, all the truly good shows are, are, are not carried by one person. Yeah. They, they need more than one person to, to really... Unless the conceit of the show is there is literally one person. Right. Like, if there's, if there's more than one person, then it is, it is a team effort, always. No sure. matter whatever you think you may hear.
1: Sure, sure. And I'm with you. And I don't know. I mean, maybe that'll be the case. And may Or maybe it'll be half website, half podcasting. I would love that. Are you kidding me? I would love that. But... For whatever reason, which is weird now that I'm saying it out loud and thinking about it, I am more confident in my ability to write and my ability to hold my own as a writer than I am my ability to hold my own as a podcaster, which makes zero sense.
0: You make... I'm so sorry. You make more money from a single episode of maybe either of your shows than you've ever made from writing would i be right in saying oh that? god
1: there's there's not even a question i've never made any even money this for my sh- writing. even this one <laughs> right no i'm with you I, i've never made any money for my writing but for whatever reason i'm more confident in it maybe it's because i'm not getting paid for it maybe it's because it's more considered and less extemporaneous maybe it's because it's kind of like well it's my own little playground and the only person that i'm disappointing if if it's crappy is me But for whatever reason, I can't figure out why, Mm. but for whatever reason, I'm way more confident in that than I am in this other stuff.
0: All right, I'm not done with this by a long shot. <laughs> uh, but I want to take a, a moment to thank our second sponsor for this week, and I'm going to want your help on this one a little bit, casey Liss. So our friends over at Fracture. Fracture is a fantastic company. You have a fantastic product. Fracture is transforming the way that people print and display their favorite images, and they do it in a way that I really love and really stands out on the wall. Like it, Basically, what Fracture will do is you go to FractureMe.com, you upload a picture and they will print your photo onto a piece of glass they do it in some with some kind of magic i don't know how they do it but what comes out at the other end is an absolutely beautiful photo unlike any other way that you've seen a picture before cuz it doesn't even it doesn't look like there is a piece of glass and then a picture like it doesn't look like that it is something completely different. Like, they, they put it right on there, right? They put it right on there. They laminate it right on there. It's stuck right to that piece of glass. And that makes it look like a very different thing. It doesn't look like a framed picture without the piece of wood or metal around the outside. It doesn't look like that at all. It looks like something completely different. It's like the glass and the picture, they are one and the same. They are absolutely fantastic. And once you receive, once you have uploaded... Your picture, you've chosen the size that you want. They have five different rectangle sizes up to 21 inch by 28 inch. They also have three square sizes as well that are great for Instagram photos, podcast artwork, album covers, app icons, that kind of thing. Once you've uploaded it and they sent it to you, once you receive it, you're going to want to mount it to display it to the world because it looks so great, right? This is super easy to do as they apply a backing to your fracture that lets you immediately mount it on the wall. No frame needed at all. You can choose, I think, with the smaller ones, to get a little stand to come with it. So you can just stand it right up, which is lovely. You get everything you need right there. Casey, you have some fractures, right?
1: Yes, yes. I have a few of them. Um I did I pulled a Marco and I printed um not app icons, but instead uh podcast uh artwork. Um so I printed those. I printed a very large, I want to say like an 18 by 12 or so. That's not right, but something along those lines, 18 by 12 inch, a uh, picture of um, Aaron that was on my euphoria post on my website, which is another one I'm very proud of. Um, that we Best have. Photo. In a...
0: God, that photo so good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, I can see why you, you did that.
1: Yep. So that's, that's in our room. Um, the podcast art is in um, my office um, our mutual friend, Ange, whose name I just mispronounced, uh, had a picture of a, a sprout emoji printed for us on a small square one that's in Declan's room. Um, a f- friend of ours, uh, jelly had a custom drawing that he did of Aaron and me and, and sprout, which was really beautiful. Um, he had that printed that's in Declan's room. Um, so if I've received them as gifts, I bought them, I was, gi- I've given them as gifts, um, They are really wonderful, and Mike did as good a job as one can possibly do painting a word picture, pardon the pun, of what these things look like, but I promise you, it sounds really weird, and it sounds like it's not that impressive, but these things look incredible. I definitely recommend these. Uh, I've, I've bought several for myself. I've bought several for friends and family. Genuinely, get, just, get a little one. If, are you on Instagram? Get a little Instagram picture printed and stick it somewhere. You're going to love it. And well, actually, maybe you shouldn't do it because once you do, you're going to get like a million of them because it's addicting. So um, <laughs> definitely check it out. Fracture is really great. A genuinely hand on heart. I couldn't recommend it enough. They're really awesome gifts for yourself, for others. Doesn't matter. They're wonderful.
0: They do indeed make very great gifts. So once you buy them for yourself, you can buy them for everyone. I have a few that have been given to me as gifts as well, as well as buying them for other people and for myself. You can help support this show and get 10% off your first order by using the coupon code ANALOG. No matter how, whichever way you spell it, you're going to get that discount. Um, And their prices start at just $15 as well, so they're not going to fracture the bank. Just go to fractureme.com to get started. Thank you so much to Fracture for their support this week's episode. I'm really pleased to have them as a sponsor.
1: No, they are great. They really, really I love are. what they
0: do. So tying into what we were just talking about, a few weeks ago, we st- spoke about stats. mm mm-hmm. um, And
1: I wanted to catch up with you on that. This is annoyingly timely, but carry on. I'll explain it Lovely. A so can you refresh uh,
0: everyone's memory as to why we were talking about statistics in the first place?
1: Uh, maybe. <laughs> we were talking about um, just kind of checking up on, I think, follower accounts on Twitter and especially you know how, how many people are listening to shows and how many people are reading my website and blah, 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 and whether or not that was really a useful and productive uh, expenditure of time. And what I had said at that time, which was a couple of months ago, was that I look at Google Analytics for my website constantly um, because I, I, I feel like that's a way to validate whether or not – what I'm doing is really reaching anyone. And, um, I've also written some code in, in camel, which powers my website to emit log messages, showing how many RSS subscribers are, um, that I have to my website. And I'll, and I, for a long time kept track in solver S O U L V E R great app. I kept track of, um, of how many RSS, RSS subscribers I had, um, and I used to look at that constantly. Um, but
0: It all it uh, came from the fact that you tweeted about your statistics tell you that you should never deviate from Oh, that's Apple right.
1: That's talk. right. Yeah. I've forgotten about that that.
0: that. that was where the conversation started. And then we had all of that big conversation that you just described.
1: Right, right. Because I, I'd seen that you know, when I do Apple stuff, it goes great. And then when, when I write something that I think is actually more interesting and more important, not a lot of people seem to care. Uh, there are exceptions, of course. Like my again, I've gotten great traction from my finally post about us being pregnant. I got great traction from the Euphoria Post, uh, which is the picture we were talking about earlier. Um, but overall, it's either Apple or crickets. So with that said, what would you like to talk about?
0: So I wanted to check with you. Um, how are you going with this? Are you checking statistics still?
1: I actually have mostly stopped. I wish I could tell you that was because people that I really um, trust and really respect, like Steven and Marco and yourself, I wish I could tell you it was because they told me that. In reality, it's because I just ran out of time and just it stopped being an everyday thing and then I kind of forgot about it. Um, but what's ironic about this is just earlier today, I decided to look at my referrer's um, which is a very, um, very much a vanity search. Um, it's very much a, oh, who's talking about me these days? But you know what? That It is what it is. So anyway, I was looking at my referrers, and um, I noticed that Ars Technica had a lot of hits as a referrer, and I was very confused by that. And so I went looking, and what had happened was they had posted about DuckDuckGo, which is the search engine I use, and one of the posts, possibly the post that's gotten the most traction of anything I've posted, was something I wrote in like no time, which is the way these things always work. Uh, but it was a, a very brief post I wrote about how you should be using DuckDuckGo. And I wrote it a couple of months ago. I don't recall specifically when. We'll put a link in the show notes. But it got picked up uh, by Jim Dalrymple of The Loop and linked on The Loop. And that, man, the long tail from Jim Dalrymple is huge. He was pushing traffic for fur. Ever on that post, and Marco kind of uh, linked to it in his own post about how you should use DuckDuckGo. Well, anyways, the reason I bring all this up is because uh, Ars Technica has um, uh, a link or a, a post about how maybe you should be using DuckDuckGo, and someone in the comments had linked to my post, and even that drove a pretty considerable considerable amount of traffic, which I was very surprised by and and was good to see. Um, but that's why this was timely and it was funny that you brought this up today because I didn't say any of this to you before the show. It's just because we have the ESPN you and I. But um <laughs> no, but, no. But, Come on. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'll relax. But um but e- no, ESP. I know, that's the joke.
0: Okay, I was just double checking. Oh
1: my god. Mike. Come on. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> But we'll edit this out, don't worry. But anyway, um but yeah, so I looked earlier today, but generally speaking, I had stopped looking for the last month or so. Although now, now that I'm thinking about it again, I'll probably go back to it and start looking all the time. But, um, but no, I I'd, I'd largely stopped. And we'll see. I mean, what I've learned is the same thing I learned when I didn't look at Twitter for a long time um, when I was gone in Florida was, you know what? Life kind of went on and I didn't really feel like I missed anything. Um, and when I didn't look at analytics, life seems to have gone on. And outside of a little bit of coverage on Ars Technica's comments, I haven't really missed anything. Hmm. Is that not the answer you were looking for?
0: No, I mean, it was probably the answer that I wanted to hear, um, that it isn't bothering you so much. Uh, but I just wonder, like, do, do you feel any different, though?
1: Um, I feel like it's a little less professional of me to not pay attention to it, which is funny because the people who actually make money off their websites, like Steven and Marco, tell me not to look at it. But, um, but I I don't feel any different No, I think as I find the time to write more for my website, which should be coming up soon. And as I post more often, I'll probably pay more attention to it. Um, it was fascinating to listen to your episode with gray on cortex about, uh, what did you call it? Posting day. Mm -hmm. Um, Because a lot of the same things that he did or does, I do very similar things for when I post a new blog post. Um, Typically, I'll have Google Analytics real time up. Typically, I'll have a streaming version of the log for my website up. I'll have Twitter up. And I'll be kind of monitoring all these things to the best of my ability. Oftentimes, I post like during work hours. So I don't usually get to do these things. But if I am posting, if I'm having a slow day at work or if I'm at home or whatever, I'll try to pay attention to all these things and kind of monitor what's being said or is anyone catching on to this? Is anyone retweeting it? Blah, blah, blah. Um, so as I post more often, which I hope to be doing soon, I'll probably come back to looking at it more often, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, I mean, like my feeling, my thing with that kind of stuff is like, I don't really check that kind of thing every week or every episode because it's too much. But like I go through that and check those things when I, uh, whenever we post a brand new show. Sure. So I go into that kind of like mission control type mode.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I totally hear that.
0: So what I want to talk a little bit about as well is, you know, the, the kind of the figurative you. Like, do you need large numbers of interested people or sm- a smaller number of fans?
1: Um, I guess it depends on whether or not you want to make money. And if so,
0: I guess it, see, this is my thing. I think it depends on what you're trying to sell.
1: Yeah. Like, it seems to me, like, and I'm no expert on this, but it seems to me that there are two avenues to take. You can either appeal to a really, really, really broad audience. And typically, if you do, you're going to take on some sort of advertising, like this show or ATP or Connected or the the talk show, or any number of things of that nature. Um, Marco.org, DaringFireball.net, 512Pixels, uh, you know, all of these things appeal to a broad audience, and you can make some to a lot of money based on advertising. The other approach seems to be that's sometimes used in concert with the first one and sometimes not. You have a small, or maybe even if you're very lucky, large group of superfans that will each contribute a little bit of money every time you do something. And this is typically the Patreon model. And I see that Gray does this and seems to be that seems to be super lucrative for him. Um, a friend of the show, Jonathan Mann, does this. Um, and I genuinely don't know if that's lucrative for him or not. It may be super lucrative and maybe not at all. I have no idea. But if you have at least a reasonably sized group of super fans, maybe I could start a Patreon. And every time I write a blog post, I'll get a quarter from... A hundred people or a thousand people. And that would be pretty awesome. I've thought about it, but I don't think I want to go that route quite yet. Um, We'll see what happens. But in a perfect world, I think the best possible answer is I would love to have at least slight appeal to everyone. Maybe not a lot of appeal, but a little bit of appeal. So I'm I'm on a lot of people's radar, but I'd love to have a group of super fans. And I think to some degree I do but you know to have a core group of just really super fans that that kind of eat up all the stuff that I put out there be it my podcast or my writing or whatever and that's extremely flattering and and again I think I have some of that but I I you know you always want more right
0: so this is like I only really wanted to bring this up just as a kind of like a this is what I have learned um for anybody that that is interested in this kind of stuff is the it really does it is based around what are you what are you trying to sell so uh-huh. like we are selling advertising space. Right? That's that's what we sell here on this program. Right. Um and what you mentioned, the Patreon model is is a very different thing that you're selling. Uh you are selling like I don't know what it what it would be. The rewards I think are not actually what you're selling in most instances. Um you're selling like a sense of gratification yeah, that yeah. people receive. Yeah. I, I think I've that's what you sell. Yeah. Um so, like, we we sell sponsorship, and the, there isn't necessarily. I mean, the reason that we have done that, and, is, and I personally believe that Relay will and does make more money from uh, sponsorship than we could from crowdfunding or anything like that. If you feel differently, that is totally fine. But this is the business model that we've chosen. I think that it is a uh, a better model for us for right now. Um, I think it's working. Our advertising rates are going up. Uh, the amount of money that we make uh, is going up as well. So I think that that's all fine. But basically, the difference is like if you want to sell something directly, to if you want to look at like a advertising model, so a CPM model, which is a cost per thousand. The M is Roman. Uh, the the one thousand people that are buying something for five dollars is like, a lot more money than if you were advertising to 1,000 people, right? If you're advertising to 1,000 people, you could make a very small amount of money from that. You maybe would make, like, $15 or $20 or something in the best-case scenario. Right. But if you're selling something for $5 to 1,000 people, that's a lot more money, right? You're looking at $5,000. Math is correct, isn't it? Yep. Yep. So, you know, like, that kind of thing is just, like, I feel like, you just got to understand what you want to sell, and and then go with it from there. Because I mean, yes, I in a in a in an ideal world, it would be easy to find those one thousand people to sell something to, for five dollars to. But you typically also then need a big audience anyway. But that's kind of like semantics by the time you're getting into it. But like, it took me a very long time. It took me five years to be able to build an audience large enough that I could sell ads at a high enough rate to make the living that I wanted. Yeah. Yeah so my my the reason that I bring this the reason I mention this because I want to bring it right back around again to say that I think when you take some of this stuff into account, statistics are important,
1: yeah, that's true
0: because you want to be able to build, if you want to be able to build an audience to sell something, you kind of have to have an idea about the audience size that you have, but then there comes a point which is the point that I am at now where the average the the, the audience sizes are pretty much just a function of the advertising rate. Aside, aside from that it doesn't mean a lot to me in most instances like when a show first launches and like for the first couple of episodes I care about the audience size because it's like an ego thing <laughs> how big can this be Right, right. But once it settles down it doesn't bother me if it dips or like peaks or whatever like that, that sort of doesn't bother me on a week to week basis so then after that point it's like I just want to know what the statistics are and check the statistics as a function of them being able to sell advertising. So I think that's where advertising can be important, but I think in, sorry, statistics can be important, but I think in most instances it can be better to, to not have to worry about them, which is what you're in that scenario right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We'll see what the future brings both in terms of statistics, my website, my, my job, but, um, I don't know. The fact that I'm even discussing these things as options, I mean, it, again, we're, we're both extremely lucky, and hopefully we'll continue to be lucky, and we'll continue to do this show, and ATP, and Connected, and, and Cortex, and Upgrade, and all of the great shows, and uh, we'll see what happens. I don't know. Maybe I'll be employee number three at uh, Relay FM. Hint, 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 hint. Anyway, let's talk about Relay Your Feels.
0: We'll find a job for you one day. <laughs> This week's episode of Relay Your Fields and Analog is brought to you by Red Hat. So maybe it's not news that supported open source is now widely accepted at the highest levels of enterprise computing, but the extent of adoption is probably broader than you think, and most of the open source running in elite data centers is Red Hat. And it's more than just Red Hat Enterprise Linux, too. Red Hat offers storage solutions, cloud computing, and everything that you need for application development, all open source and all enterprise-grade. The stats are eye opening because Red Hat runs in every executive department of the US federal government, every airline, telecom giant, and healthcare company in the Fortune. Global 500, the New York Stock Exchange and every commercial bank in the Fortune 500 as well. In fact, more than 90% of all the companies that are in that very Fortune 500 use Red Hat for everything from the critical to the routine. The only thing that's really surprising is how many people, people who know a lot about technology, don't know about this. It's almost as if Red Hat snuck in, got comfortable and quietly transformed the technology business without making too much of a fuss. Sometimes the most disruptive technology is the stuff that no one notices at first. To find out more about how Red hat is quietly redefining enterprise technology visit redhat.com. red hat build on it run with it count it on it thank you red hat excellent so i have a couple of uh a couple of relay that are uh, one of them is definitely related to today so richard asked casey of all the gigs that you have including your full-time job and your part-time uh, hobbies etc how do you carve time for your family. So, I mean, we were talking about this earlier and you were saying that you kind of make time for it. And one of the reasons that you don't look at app development and stuff is so you can continue having that time. But your job is is a demanding job. and I'm sure you work long hours at times and you have a couple of nights a week where you're here with me or you're here with John uh, and Marco. How do you make sure or do you do anything specifically to make sure that you are keeping your family time in check?
1: Yeah, I say no a lot. and I And I don't mean that to be facetious. Um, One of the difficult conversations I've had at my regular job lately is my boss telling me in so many words, well, you're probably never going to get too far ahead here because you don't have the time to dedicate to learning on your own which wasn't unfortunate. Man, I
0: want to punch a guy out the window. I'm going to say this on your behalf. I've had those conversations in the past, and it's just like, why don't you go and leave me alone? Like, I had used to have those conversations where they were like, you have this other thing that you do, right? I think that might be, you know, holding you back here.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that wasn't exactly the way it was phrased, but that was certainly the implication. Um, That was a very frustrating conversation to have. And um, that was kind of the genesis of my change of attitude about what I think that job means to me. Um, That being said, it's a price I'm willing to pay. And I think I've said on this show before, I am okay with being okay at my regular job now. I didn't used to be, but I am now. Because my regular job gives me the stability I need to be able to provide for my family and do the other things that I actually really care about, like my family and my podcast, and so I am extremely, um, obnoxious, I guess, about guarding any time that is not forty, the forty-five hours a week I dedicate to my job. Um, I get to my I get to work at about eight. I leave at about five. I almost always eat lunch at my desk. And if you want any time from me between outside of the hours of eight to five, it better be really damn important because the likelihood of me giving you that time is almost zero. That has penalties. It means I may not get promoted ever, or maybe not for a long, long time, but it also means that I have more time for my family and more time for my side hustles, as I love to call them, um... And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being okay at my job and not being a superstar at my job. Um, That's one way I carve out the time. Um, I try to multitask where possible. So if I'm just coding at work, that's a lot of the time when I do the edit for analog or for ATP. I try really hard not to do those edits at home. Um, That's why sometimes – that's a large part of the reason why it takes analog – what is it four or five days to get released is because I need two or three days to do the edit. And then Mike very justifiably jealously guards his weekend time. And oftentimes I don't get him the edit until the weekend. And so, and so uh, it isn't until Sunday evening when it's almost the week again, that Mike has the time to do his edit. And that's completely reasonable, but that's why it takes so darn long between Tuesday and Sunday for us to release is because both of us are so diligent about guarding our personal time. And, and I find that that's something I just have to do. And I also live and die by my calendar. So if, if somebody like a social, like a friend or family wants to do something, they need, they know, and they make fun of Aaron and I, because they know they need to tell us like a month out. Because if they don't tell us like a month out, then there's no chance we're going to be available for it. Because either Aaron and I have planned something for just the three of us, or we've planned something with someone else. And sorry, you just should have thought about it sooner, which drives our friends especially nuts because a lot, but not all of them, don't have kids. And so they just can roll at the. Well, we didn't. We weren't like this even before Declan, but a lot of them are kind of like, we will do whatever, whatever, we. And. For when they ask us, oh, hey, why don't you come over? We'll party. Woo! And we're like, nope, can't do it. We're already booked. That drives them crazy. But live and, buy, live and die by your calendar and say no a lot. That's that's my tips.
0: So, like, you know, you you were saying earlier on about being happy and, and that kind of thing. This is definitely part of it. Absolutely. Like, being able to be happy with your working environment and setting and setup and where you are, et cetera comes from the fact that you are able to safeguard that time. hmm hmm absolutely. It really does. Because that's what's going to stop you from going crazy. Oh,
1: yes. You've been there, you know.
0: Yeah. Andrew asks, How do you consume an interactive news, world, local, etc.? Do you seek it out or let it come to you? Uh, I would probably one day like to get into the news discussion about how I don't read the news. Um, but... I wanted to mention this because I have a story that is grabbing me right now, which is the economic
1: crisis in Greece. Yeah, I know nothing about that, and I really want to spend some time to learn it, but I haven't had the time.
0: Base in a, in a nutshell, their economy is screwed. They owe more money than any country could owe uh, compared to their GDP to the IMF and uh, into like you know basically in loans. Etc. that was run by a poor government, they now have a government in place that doesn't want to pay them and doesn't seem to really want to make a lot of conceits to to pay them back, so they are now in a situation where they 've had a referendum in the country, and as we record this um basically it 's come down to the point where they have said that you know they are not willing to to take what the European Union has suggested to them. So now there are lots of crisis talks and stuff like that because they're saying they're not going to pay the loans and then the country is basically out of money and they're not getting any more money. And there's, you know, as I just saw before we recorded, that this weekend there's going to be an EU summit where they try and nail some of this out because it's potential... The, part of the potential ramifications of this is that Greece leaves the European Union, which has a big uh, impact
1: so?
0: Well, it's it's one of the it's one of the founding countries leaves the European Union, therefore leaves the euro, and that will have an effect on the currency. Especially if it comes down to the point where Greece is never going to pay back the loans, because that money has to get swallowed somewhere, right. and it's going to have to be swallowed in Europe.
1: Hmm. This That's is my funny.
0: very again, even as someone who's following the story, I don't know mo- enough of the economics, but that is my very base understanding of what's happening there. But anyway, this this story is just in, interesting me, Uh which is, again, one of the reasons why I don't look at World News, because when I find a story that interests me, I check, and this is what I was going to say, I check BBC News uh, maybe about four or five times a day to see what's happening in that story. Um And I just look on their website. That's kind of just how I do it, because I don't really have a way of uh, looking at this stuff otherwise. In regards to regular news, you know, (laughs) regular news, like technology news, (laughs) what I consider to be regular news, uh, I look at that on Twitter, and I've also, in the last few days, started using Nuzzle.
1: I've heard of this.
0: It's a service where you plug in uh, your Twitter account, and it takes a look at what links are being shared, and when something's being shared by a bunch of people, it will say, hey, people are sharing this link. So it surfaces links that are being shared about
1: a lot. But wouldn't you get that just from being a Twitter completionist? You'd think that, wouldn't you? But not so much? Not so much. Interesting.
0: Because I've, in the last couple of days, I've seen some things that I'm very interested in that I didn't even know existed.
1: Hmm. Fair enough.
0: Yep. So there you go. Um, What about you? How do you keep up with news?
1: Um, Generally speaking, I will put on uh, CNN Headline News in the morning. Um, I really, really like the cast. Um, I believe the name of the program is Morning Express with Robin Mead. Um, uh, There's a general cast. There's uh, Robin Mead, who's the anchor, and then... um, Bob Van Dillon, who I love, who's a weather person, who's really, really funny. Jennifer Westoven is a business person. Um, and then the sports person tends to cycle through several different people. Well, anyways, I'll typically have that on the morning when I'm making breakfast um, and sometimes consuming breakfast. Um, that'll give me, I think, a fairly level-headed view of national and very important world news in the span of just about five or ten minutes. Um, I actually have an RSS subscription. You'll be very proud of me, Mike, and have for like a year and change i have an rss subscription to the bbc news us edition if i'm not mistaken so it's the bbc's take on american news and i chose the bbc because i feel like that's way more level-headed and way less sensational than anything that america has i don't need email about what you recommend i'm okay with what i've got you might know the best thing in the world i appreciate it keep it to yourself i'm good um I don't care for the really conservative news outlets. I don't care for the really liberal news outfits. Um, I, I feel like the BBC is fairly level-headed. Um, and so that's my RSS reader. And other than that, it's basically Twitter. Um, and typically, I'll find anything that's really important, be it regular news, as you said, Mike, or tech news. Typically, it'll bubble up from Twitter, if not my RSS feeds. Cool. All right. Yep.
0: That's about right. I think that about wraps it up for this week. I think so. If you want to find our show notes for this week, head on over to relay.fm slash analog slash 48. Thanks again to our sponsors, Harry's, Fracture, and Red Hat. If you want to find Casey online, you can go visit his website. We've spoken about that today. It's caseyliss.com, C-A-S-E-Y-L-I-S-S dot com. And he's also on Twitter as well with the same name. And I am iMike, I'm I-M-Y-K-E, on Twitter. And we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Casey Liss.
1: I'll see you later, Mike.